WBNE. Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey, and for today's episode, we pulled from the archive of episodes we created for our old podcast, Docking Bay 9 and 3 quarters, which, by the way, does not exist online anymore, so no need to search for it. We've done this uh, once before, and it's honestly our last resort if something happens in life to, you know, derail our podcasting plans. For the past week, the Winters household has been a den of illness. I'll spare the details, but Valerie's lost her voice, and uh, we, we weren't able to record as normal, so... Uh, we, we hope you enjoy this blast from a slight past. This episode was recorded originally in September of 2018. Uh, in this episode, we discuss our favorite musical moments from both Star Wars and Harry Potter. It's also kind of fun to see how far we've come in our podcasting abilities. So please forgive any auditory shortcomings. And I promise there'll be plenty of episodes coming up that are, um, you know, have, that have nothing to do with Star Wars or Harry Potter. In case you're uh, a listener who's hoping for some more variety, it's definitely coming. And finally, I should note that in the future, we we may just have to do a full John Williams retrospective episode because we are fond of this one. That's just a little tease for you. So without further ado, enjoy. Welcome to Docking Bay 9 and 3 Quarters. And here's your host, and Ferry. So this episode we're going to be talking about the musical moments of Harry Potter and Star Wars. We love the music of, of the movies, obviously, the, unless I guess you could be listening to music while you read the Harry Potter books, but which actually is pretty fun. But we're talking specifically about moments in the movie where it's just a perfect blend of, of what you're seeing on screen as well as the music. So not just our favorite pieces of music from the movies but the the perfect um, blend. musical moment yeah yes. it's it's very cinematic and the music is important to why that scene is so good so um we've both of us have picked three favorites from three from star wars three from harry potter and we don't know what the other person's picked so right could be overlap we have some backups in case but uh we'll see what we've picked we thought about discussing it beforehand and you know I picked this. Did you pick that? And but then we tend to just start talking about it and why it's so cool and all this. We're like, well, what's the point of that? We should save it for the <laughs> podcast. So. so basically, we can't talk about anything nerdy unless it's on the podcast. Yeah, right we now. have to stop each other. We're like, wait, there's not a microphone here. Yeah, totally not worth it, obviously, without the microphone. <laughs> yes. But no, it's it's also fun to hear it for the first time, you know, yeah. what what the favorite musical moments are. Yeah, so we'll announce what our favorite is, and then we'll play just a little snippet of it to remind our listeners what part we're talking about, um, and then we'll we'll discuss why we think it's the best. So, which one should we start with? I don't know. Uh, pick one of your favorite Star Wars. Star Wars. Let's go Star Wars first. Um, okay, for my three, I'm going to start in like chronological order. So I've got one from the prequels. Say what you will about the prequels, John Williams is at the top of his game, especially Revenge of the Sith. Like that is one of his best soundtracks, just of anything, not just Star Wars. I think it's fantastic. And the moment I'm thinking of specifically is uh, on the track listing. It's called Anakin's Betrayal, but it's the the music that plays uh, during Order sixty six. So it's a relatively short montage of the clones gunning down Jedi, which sounds pretty sad, but it's just a very emotional um emotional piece of music so let's listen to it for a second 
Um, you had said that John Williams is at the top of his game, but has he ever failed us? <laughs> Maybe not, but even so, he'd still have to be at the top of his game somewhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe he's just consistently at the top of his game. Yes. But, yeah. Well, I love anytime there's classical music with a, a choral element. Right. The human yeah. voices that just blend yeah. so perfectly with the instruments. I think it's gorgeous yeah. every time. And so much has been leading up to that moment and you're... You know, when you're watching it for the first time, you're not really sure, like, well, there's all these Jedi. How is Palpatine going to defeat them all? And, um, you know, at the time, it's just out of nowhere, Order 66, and all the clones just turn on the Jedi. It's very sad and tragic and impactful. And it's also one of, if not the only, montages that's in Star Wars. I'm trying to think of any other montages. And even, like, when people are training, there's not really montages in Star Wars. So. But uh, I'd forgot that it was sort of a break from the Star Wars mold a little bit in that sense, uh, just because the music is so good and the, the moment is so impactful. But. Harry Potter doesn't really have any montages either, does it? It has As a few, like Order of the Phoenix training montages. or the. There's actually a few in Order of the Phoenix. There's multiple montages because there's also the Umbridge stuff with all the decrees. Um, that's true. Some of that's yeah. happening simultaneously. As okay, the there Dumbledore's are a army, few. But. Right, Dumbledore's army definitely has... Yeah. Training montage. There's, oh, they're many, practicing. there's probably not many. Just thinking. They save those montages for the more poppy cultural movies. <laughs> and I love a good montage. Right. It's always yeah. I love a montage, <laughs> guys. <laughs> we should have an episode just about montages. Although can apparently we, there's not very many. There's in not Star many to talk about, but, Potter, can we, but can I have a montage of my life? Yes, I've I've been gradually making one for you. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Yes. It'd be really boring. This episode is just to decide what music to play. But I probably won't play the Order 66 music. I appreciate Even though you like that. it, and I like it, it's a, it's a different Tragic. Uh, yeah, emotional beat there. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I feel like a lot of the music that I've picked as well are sad moments. They're just the most impactful, I think, and... And there's the music just adds to that drama, the emotion of it. I mean, if there was nothing playing in the background at that same scene, it'd be nowhere near as heartrending. Yeah, sometimes when there's no music, it's it's powerful. Um, what moment was I thinking of? In like Last Jedi, for example, um, there's no music when when, or at least maybe it's. In parts, there's no music between Kylo Ren and, and Luke at the end, and I think there's there's some interest interesting aspects to that. And I think there's moments in in both series where there's the music is sort of cut away, and I think that's that can be just as powerful. But very true. What about you? What's your first uh, choice for Star Wars, or do we want to go back and forth? Let's just do all Star Wars, okay? And then all Harry Stick Potter, and Harry Potter, and then if people too much are whiplash. Well, and then if people are fans of one or the other, they can just skip ahead. There you go. <laughs> we'll give you, the listeners, the option to yes. skip Star Wars and go straight to Harry Potter <laughs> at this moment. I'm just kidding. Um, how about in direct contrast to your sad and serious song here? Mm-hmm. I love the Yub Yub song that Aww. the Ewoks sing. In the original 
cut original. of Return of the Jedi. Yes. Yub, yub. <laughs> See, I actually, this is one of the few changes to the special edition. I actually prefer the newer song. But, well, you go ahead. Well, I think it's fun that, I mean, they're there, they're celebrating, and they've destroyed the Death, well, the second Death Star. And I think it just shows part of the Ewok culture, which I think is fun. And I think it's cute. And I love that we have the record and that our kids love playing that song and singing it. Yes, so. they do. <laughs> so it's just like the Darth Vader and Son. Right. Where he's listening to the records and he's like, yum, yum. Don't you want to listen to something else? No, Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that I have very nostalgic feelings for yub yub. Um, did you look up the lyrics? No. Do they have actual meanings? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a translation from Ewokies. Ben Burt wrote the... Ben Burt wrote the Ewokies, and someone else wrote the actual English, like, translated into what it would be in English. I can't remember who, who did the English translation, but uh, Ben Burt, sound designer extraordinaire, wrote the lyrics uh, in Ewokies for Yub Yub. That it's, makes me love it even more. Yeah, Yub Yub means freedom. And, Naturally. Uh, it's like, celebratory freedom, song. we got freedom, or something like that. Like, <laughs> yub Yub, each up, Yub Yub. I can't remember the either the Ewokies or the English, or standard, basic, if you want to nerdy but but it's just so celebratory and fun and it's a little goofy but so are the ewoks i mean they're little bears that live in trees so i think it fits you could say it's goofy you could say it's creepy like a mat <laughs> like you're matching this super bright happy song as they're playing drums on helmets that once had heads in them <laughs> <laughs> we all celebrate in different ways casey we know the ewoks are, are cannibals judge? they almost ate the heroes so <laughs> We don't know if they ate that. They were roasting them over a fire pit before but Luke they intervened. They could have just been going to kill them, not necessarily eat them. No, they were. Maybe no, they were torturers, they were to but them. not eaters. No. no. <laughs> and that is called See, everyone whines about the Ewoks being cute, cuddly teddy bears, but they are not. They're basically gremlins. Is yes. that what you're telling me? Yeah, exactly. I'm still terrified of gremlins. And could you imagine <sighs> if gremlins were in Return of the Jedi instead of Ewoks? You wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have. Can't do it. Terrible reoccurring nightmares from my youth about gremlins. <laughs> All right. Anything else you have to say about Yub Yub? Nope. Just, okay. just Yub Yub. That's a beautiful choice. Uh, <laughs> mine, mine. So for my second Star Wars uh, song, I've chosen Yoda and the Force. Specifically the moment where Yoda lifts Luke's X-Wing out of the swamp. So let's have a listen. I, I love Yoda's theme, and I think part of it is because it's not overplayed throughout Star Wars. You don't hear Yoda's theme that often compared to some of the other themes. Uh, even in Empire Strikes Back, uh, that's where we get the introduction of the Imperial March, which is great, uh, but I like the slightly more, um, I don't know, it's a little more subtle or uh, and also hopeful and triumphant, and it's all about Yoda Small and powerful like him. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Uh, 
and it's about Yoda teaching Luke the lesson and that Luke is being kind of small-minded with the Force. And up to that point, we haven't seen the Force displayed on that grand of a scale. Um, Luke's pulled his lightsaber out of the snow on Hoth, and we've seen some rocks lifted. But um, other than that, this is like a huge moment that you can see what the Force can do. And it's another way that Yoda surprises us. Yoda is constantly surprising us through that. Just when you first meet him, you don't know that that's Yoda, at least the first time you see it. And then you learn it's Yoda. Um, But then you also learn that he has this intense power within the Force, and it culminates in that moment. And yeah. It is a beautiful thing. And I love just the idea of having a theme, that Yoda has a theme, that Mm. different characters in different movies have their own theme. Will you write me my own theme song, Casey? Yeah, because I'm a musician. Sure. Right? I'll write it right now. Well, you musicians out there need to write yourselves themes because you could, yeah. and you should, and you should just play it when you enter rooms and things for those of us who don't have that musical around, talent. Like Kronk on Emperor's New yes. Groove. <laughs> Playing his theme song. <laughs> exactly. It's always been my dream. I need my own theme song. Will somebody write me one? Yes. What's your second Star Wars choice? Well, we haven't talked about any of the newer Star Wars movies yet. And one of my favorite musical moments, I remember sitting in the theater during The Force Awakens and thinking, wow, that's really cool. And the music just really adds to that moment. Normally, I feel like the music just is background and it does add to it, but I don't normally notice the music at that moment. Um, But in The Force Awakens, where... Ray has been captured by Kylo Ren, and he's trying to get the information about Luke's whereabouts from her. And so he's, um, they're kind of had that, that battle of their minds. You will never be as strong as Darth Vader. The music that plays right there is just subtle but powerful, and you can feel it kind of shift when Rey gets the power and says, you know, I'm not giving you anything. And so I love that moment. The music in, is, is background to her power, but it also is adds to it, and it's just awesome. Plus, it's just like Snape and Harry. It's occlumency. It and, is. Yeah, I remember after we watched it for the first time we had even mentioned how like the camera feels similar and that whole scene feels very similar to the Aquaman scene um with with Snape and Harry and the their final lesson when uh when Harry makes the mistake of moving into Snape's mind but I love that moment too and you and I watched it in preparation for this episode like rewatched it and I I it wasn't something that I'd really noticed musically when I had watched it. Uh, so that was fun to really pay attention to it. But you're right. I like the, the play and the bl- the back and forth between like the dark music of Kylo Ren's theme and the, the lighter music of Ray's theme is right. really cool there. So good mm-hmm. choice. Yep. Also on kind of a side note, the idea that um, you're saying it's kind of like oculumency, but just that it's a new way we haven't really seen the force yet, like mind reading. Mm. 
Yeah, like we've seen the Je- the Jedi mind trick, but this is like that taken to the next level. Right, like know? to be able to pull somebody's thoughts out and you know, yeah. get what you want, man. Well, for my third and final Star Wars choice, I've chosen my absolute favorite musical moment in all of Star Wars, and it is... In all of Star yes, Wars? Yes, yes. It's a bold statement. It is. It is in Return of the Jedi, and it is the moment... And it's Yub Yub. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, we've picked Yub Yub twice. That's how much we love it. No, it is not Yub Yub. It is the moment where uh, Luke's essentially playing playing hide and seek with Darth Vader, sort of, and uh, he's hiding, and Darth Vader's looking for him underneath the stairs of of the Emperor's throne room, and that moment when Darth Vader threatens Leia, and and Luke yells never, and and comes out, and they start uh, battling again with their lightsabers. The music right at that moment where they're battling with lightsabers, it's it's fairly quick, but it's just so awesome, and it's not anything we've heard up to that point. It's sort of a variation on the Emperor's uh, theme, and there's another one with choral music. I also tend to love choral music, but it's very uh, powerful, and it's building up to that moment where Luke dips into the dark side, and it's just amazing. Unfortunately, most versions of the Return of the Jedi soundtrack don't have that moment, Um but uh, we'll try to find a little clip on YouTube. I can record the music. But um, yeah, that part's my absolute favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's my f- favorite moment in all of Star Wars, and it's because of the perfect music and the the meaning of that scene. And uh, yeah, right. That's the best part about the music is it's just part of the culmination of everything that the movie has worked on. You yeah. know, it has to be this moment where the music is great, the acting's great, the story is just at a pinnacle moment, or something that just combines all of the best and puts it all together. And it's scary to think that the studio wanted George Lucas to use disco in Star Wars. That is really George, comical when you think about right, it. Right, and George is like adamant that he wanted some a classical movie score. And John Williams was an up-and-coming uh, composer. He'd done Jaws, um, but... Man, it's interesting to think of Johnny, good old Johnny, yeah, as good old a Johnny. up-and-comer. I know. and <laughs> Because for our entire lives, he's been John Williams, yeah, the right. master. And you can't separate Star Wars from John Williams. It's like if you're thinking of the of the five key players that created Star Wars, John Williams is is definitely in that five easily. Fab so, five of yes, Star Wars. Yes, Fab five of Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> What's your final Star Wars musical moment? Interesting that well, it's not John Williams. Sorry, John oh, Williams. I think yeah. well, Yub Yub wasn't his either. So you're going to Rogue One or Solo here? I'm going to Rogue One. Okay. My top Star Wars movie you know again it's a climax moment which is when the music is often the most poignant yeah the moment where the Death Star has been unleashed on Scarif and Jin and Cassian are on this beautiful beach that is going to be destroyed 
there's no hope for them to get out. You know, you up to that moment, you keep hoping. You're like, they'll make it, right? Somehow they'll find <laughs> a ship off. Right. I mean, I know they're not in the next movies, but they can still make it, right? <laughs> and uh, so you, this moment where they're on the beach and the the blinding white light comes. Um, it's another choral moment and they just the blinding white light comes and they're hugging and it illuminates their face and it just and it's a very poignant end to their story the rogue one music definitely gets better uh and i mean everything gets better in that movie at, at the very end and yeah you said it beautifully i don't i, don't, I won't belabor that moment because it, it is really good sweet ending to a very sad story yeah yeah, we have kind of sad or very emotional moments, except for Yub Yub. I guess that's emotional, triumphant, but uh, good choices. Thank you. Yeah. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Harry Potter. And Woo-hoo! Harry Potter is a little more interesting because John Williams just did the first three movies and then it went to other composers, which is kind of fitting because it went to other directors um, as well. I heard a rumor, and I don't know if this is true so take this as you will that he was possibly going to score the very last movie to sort of bring it full circle interesting Um, but maybe he couldn't because of scheduling or something but his influence is is felt throughout it just as and they use his themes yeah same with like in rogue one like so much of that music and solo is using the old themes that john williams made and right he built these movies yeah even if he didn't do the music for them, he was the basis for the music of them. Yeah, he set the stage just like Chris Columbus did for um, the first two Harry Potter movies, too. So, you start. What's your first favorite Harry Potter musical moment? Well, one of my favorites is the moment... And it's interesting because seeing it in the theaters, the third movie, The Prisoner of Azkaban, was far and away my least favorite movie that I saw in theaters. It was just such a shift from the first two. Casey and I talk about this all the time because it really hit home that I was like, it's not Harry Potter when I saw it in the theaters. And I have grown to love it so much more. And I can now, you know, separate that feeling of just the stark difference between the the second and the third movies. Um, But I... From the beginning, I did always love the music, and I love the music when they're going back to Hogwarts, and they have the Hogwarts choir there in the um, in the Great Hall as they're <clears throat> as they're singing the double double toil and trouble song. It's just so much fun. Um, I think because it it just feels like a good witch and wizard song, which is a lot of fun. And also because it's another choral music. And I thought it was fun that they have the giant toads that they hold. 
and it builds the the dark feeling that that entire movie kind of has that something's something wicked this way comes you know like the idea that it uh, it's going to be a darker movie and I think it starts right at that that moment there yeah I agree the the third soundtrack is a lot of fun because it's John Williams being a little bit more he feels a little bit more experimental than his usual in that one like absolutely when you think about the night bus music yeah. that one's really <laughs> jazzy yeah. upbeat totally different for him right and it 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 probably like it fits the set the in the sense that um the first two Harry Potter movies are pretty feel pretty typical John Williams and that's not a bad thing um but then the third movie like you said is a departure in a lot of ways and it's Alfonso Cuarón bringing his stamp to things and it feels more artistic and so it makes sense that the music would take a different turn as well um in fact my my first harry potter musical moment choice is also from prisoner of azkaban it's the moment when uh the dementors converge that's the name of the track on the soundtrack so give it a listen It is another one with some choral music. We're a broken record here, but um, there's just a sense of like chaos to it, and it also is very reminiscent of like Close Encounters to me. It still feels John Williams, and uh, it's another climactic moment. I think we have a trend for the types of the musical moments that we like, but uh, it's it's just a very powerful moment. Funny that we both picked choral songs from the third movie of yeah, Harry Potter. It's true. And you I, apparently have a type. Yeah. And I, my type is you. <laughs> you. I like, I like this song, and I'm just going to avoid what you're saying right now and keep talking. I like this song. It's, it's very eerie and creepy, just like the Dementors, and it, it kind of has a Absolutely. slow build to that climactic moment, yes. which is a lot of fun, too. And, and those little, it has kind of little chimey bell sounds mm. that I always think of wind chimes as, you know, Fun, but Casey has a fear of wind chimes. This is the second time in twelve episodes that you've mentioned my fear of wind chimes. I think it's and I'm not going to discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it builds to it. You think that the Dementors are creepy, and they're they're playing these little chime songs. I just don't want to think about wind chimes. Because <laughs> the Dementors uh, let's talk are coming. When the wind chimes go off, yes, the Dementors are coming. Yes, exactly. That's, That's why. why you're fearful. Mm-hmm. You know the sensation that comes. Also, on that part, there's this. I don't know if it's supposed to be music or a, uh, a moment of of sound design, like within the movie. And I like moments like that where you're not quite sure. But the the part where Sirius's soul is like leaving his body and the, right. it, everything gets quiet except for that like thrumming, slow thrumming sound. It's really mm-hmm. cool. And I don't know if that's music or sound, like I said, but they're really supposed cool. to intertwine. Exactly. In a good movie. Yeah. Interestingly enough. My other favorite songs that I could think of, I mean, there's so many it was hard to pick, but the ones that came to mind immediately are all from the fourth movie. Really? All of them? 
Yes, and I couldn't even narrow it down to, you know, we were picking three from each, but I picked four from Harry Potter. <laughs> this is where we diverge because I don't like the fourth soundtrack as much. So this will be, you know, this will be interesting. I thought for sure you were going to dive into the last one, and I was like picking a bunch of safety ones from the last one because I'm like, no, Valerie's going to pick these. But. No, because I already knew that this last movie was your favorite soundtrack, so mm. I was pretty sure you'd cover that well, for thanks. us. You're so nice. I know. I knew you had that covered. Mm. But I have a couple of funny ones. This is probably why you don't like. It's like it goes back to the Yub Yub song because I like the songs that are um, a different. Jaunty. Yes. Well, and even just I like the sense that they are. These are what the characters actually listen to kind of an idea. Like it's not the music that we're getting as an audience. Mm -hmm. It's the music that they would be listening to. In cinematic parlance, that is non-diegetic and diegetic sound. So you're talking about diegetic sound, which is, yes, yeah, sound mm -hmm, that is true. within. <laughs> I'm going to be a bit that. pedantic here. <laughs> if, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I can be pedantic. And you're married to me, so you know I can be pedantic. But uh, do I need to explain what pedantic means? Don't belittle our audience, Casey. <laughs> I was making seen... a joke about pedant pedantry. Like, <laughs> do you need me to explain? They've seen Midnight in Paris. They know what a pedantic person <laughs> is like, and they will judge you accordingly. <laughs> but yes, so you've picked a lot of diegetic sound, which is great because those are fun. And uh, yeah, you've got yub yub. You've got you've got double toil and trouble. And what's your next one? I didn't even think about double toil, but yes. Mm -hmm. My so my next three are all diegetic. They that. are all, all diegetic. Yeah, oh, I didn't even goodness. think about it. Wait, but you picked four. That's cheating. <laughs> I can do what I want. <laughs> um. So the a couple of quick ones. That's why I'll just. When watching the fourth movie, I was so excited because there's this little moment where Harry and Seamus kind of go at it in the um in the Gryffindor common room mm. where they're, you know, Seamus's mom didn't want him to come back and he's kind of taking that out on Harry. And uh, there's a song playing in the background called Boys Will Be Boys by The Ordinary Boys, who are a British band who only had like two songs that you can find anywhere. But I had listened to them previously. Like I knew about this song before the movie came out and I felt so, if I knew the term hipster back then, mm. I would have felt so hipster back because I was like, I recognize this song guys and I was so proud of myself. And uh, it's just interesting to think about the characters in the common room sitting around listening to fun teenage pop music. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that about you or about the movie. Uh, in that moment, does it is it like a record scratch when they're like facing off with each other, or does it keep playing? No, in the it's background? playing in the oh, okay. background the whole time. Okay, interesting. Um, the ordinary boys you should look them up. They've got like two songs guys <laughs> maybe they have more and they just didn't make it over here to the states and i didn't listen to them but it was fun that i already knew those should i just do all of my diegetic yeah music? just go with your diegesis here <laughs> is that the term diegesis yes. <laughs> nerd so 
all of my diegesis. <laughs> That's such a funny phrase. <laughs> I like you. Also, so next up, the Yule Ball. Again, the dancers are all there, and they're um, Harry and Parvati, right? He's not with... Yeah, I believe Ron's with Padma, and Ron's Harry's with, with Parvati. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so they are dancing... And they're, you know, they've got the orchestra music playing there with Flitwick playing the, leading the orchestra, which I also love. Because mm-hmm. he also leads the Double Toy on Trouble song. He's a busy guy. You know, He's emergency choir practice. That body. <laughs> he talks about emergency choir practice. Oh, yeah. That he has to go to. It's very that. important to Flitwick's character. <laughs> and I love that they carry that throughout the movies. But he, um, I'm anyways. Still, I'm oh. still trying to figure out why he didn't want to have a drink with Hagrid. And he's when he says like emergency choir practice, like and he's running, and he's like he's going running back the other way. To I don't, I don't understand that moment. I oh. love it, but I don't know what's going on, like story wise, character wise. It is an interesting thing. Like he's just, is it an excuse to get back? Later, or is we it? see Hagrid is like drinking heavily with Slughorn, so maybe it's just Flitwick knows he can't hold his liquor and and doesn't want that. Doesn't want to hang out with I Hagrid. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I've told you before that when I worked at a Boy Scout ranch, that the code for all the people who wanted to go out on the weekends, because, you know, around the Boy Scouts, you weren't supposed to talk about, like, alcohol and stuff. Mm. And so on the weekends, you'd be like, hey, are you going to choir practice? And that was, like, the uh, code for are you going to the, to the bar? But why would Flitwick say that going away from the I don't know. I don't, the think there's, I don't think there's a correlation, but it was just always funny uh, to me because gotcha. there was a connection between choir practice and going to the three broomsticks. Yeah. Anyways, Yule Ball, I'm sorry, I, was, I just needed to vent that moment because I still don't understand Maybe it. you, the listeners, have a Please better explanation. why. Also, do other people use the term going to choir practice? I don't know if it was just unique to my Boy Scout experience. No idea. <laughs> so the champions are dancing to this fancy classical orchestra, orchestra music, and then there's this stark shift to when the wizarding band comes in. And I love that moment. And I love that the wizarding band is saying, what are they even singing? Are you dancing dance like, like a, a troll? Or something? Yeah, yeah, can you dance like a hippogriff? No, 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 There's my beautiful rendition, guys. You don't need to play the song now, Casey. I'm just kidding. Please play the song. What's the name of that band? In the books, it's the Weird Weird Sisters. Weird Sisters. But I don't know if that. I always assumed the Weird Sisters were a group of witches. I believe on the soundtrack they call it the Weird Sisters. Let's look at that. Maybe not. I can't remember in the actual book, like in the I writing. Think it's some does real it musicians, say... but my that style of music, I'm actually most music. I don't know that much, so let's. Uh... But the yeah, in the book, I can't remember if they say that the Weird Sisters is a group of. I thought I thought it was a witch band. It says in the books, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, and that seemed to have a lead singer of a warlock, I guess. <laughs> but it could still be called the Weird Sisters. Up in the air, like an ogre, just don't care. Can you dance like a 
called Do the Hippogriff with Jason Buckle, Steve Clayton, Jarvis Cocker, Johnny Greenwood, Steve Mackey, and Philip Selway. And they actually have three songs on the soundtrack. Really? So there's Do the Hippogriff, This is the Night, and Magic Works. That's but I think you're thinking play. of Do the Hippogriff. Yes, I always think of Do the Hippogriff because, well, I like all of their music. I'd have been, you know, a witch fan, have their posters on my wall. Mm. But the, you know, I've never had a poster on my wall. No posters? No posters Not ever. Not Harry Potter? Not a single poster of anything on my wall in my entire childhood. Not like Justin Timberlake? No. In the 90s? Mm-mm. What about like Max Goof from the Goofy movie? Powerline? Do you have Powerline I poster? wish. Will you get me a Powerline poster now? Done. So I can relive my childhood, <laughs> my failed childhood. I didn't have any posters on my walls growing up. Mm, I had posters. Uh, I had a Yoda poster. <laughs> you say it that way, it makes it sound like they're dirty posters. Oh, that's posters. true. No, no. I had posters. I had and a Yoda. You, you had a Yoda. Yoda, yeah. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. I had a Yoda poster. <laughs> On the back was like dialogue from the scene. And the front was just Yoda and it said Empire Strikes Back. Um, I had like a weird chimpanzee once in elementary school. I think I got it from like the book fair. Or maybe it was like a free poster for buying a book or something. You mm. know? I don't think that stayed up very long. Because chimpanzees are creepy. It didn't mesh well with my Yoda. Dick Tracy bedsheets. <laughs> and uh, you guys are learning a lot about me. Fears of wind chimes. And for a long time, probably too long into my teenage years, I had Dick Tracy bedsheets. Uh, do you know what Dick Tracy is? Oh my goodness. No. Nope. Have we never watched? We're going to watch Dick Tracy. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's, uh, this is Casey the Deep Cut. <laughs> I'm learning new things. I shouldn't assume you don't know that. That was another pedantic, patronizing <laughs> moment. I apologize. But uh, I just know we hadn't ever watched it together, so I didn't know nope. if you'd seen it. I mean, I've heard the name, but I have never seen it. It's based on a comic book. We are getting beautifully off track in this episode. Always. Yeah. So, the Weird Sisters. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. And I really like that, that shift in music because it goes from being this serious, you know, uh, traditional, uh, not serious, but like this traditional moment of the Yule Ball to being this rave for the kids where they right. can all just kind of let loose and have lots of fun. And and we don't and be see, kids. That was and fun. And be kids. Yeah. We don't see any other dances at her, in Hogwarts. Yeah. And so it's fun to get that more social side instead of academic side of the student's yeah. life. I don't know, maybe, what's the, uh, Madam Pud- Pudfoots? Maybe mm. one of the little hog- Hogsmeade cafes has little dances mm. or something that we just never see. I um, don't know. Movie-wise, from the way the boy students react, I would guess not. <laughs> I'm not mature enough for dances. Put my hand where? <laughs> <laughs> such a good moment. Moving on to my... Your, your final? My final diegetic moment um and this one goes from being very funny to very sad when the so throughout the triwizard tournament they have this you know it's like the triwizard theme and it's like a brass band that's playing do 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 anyways they um will play the actual music here you go (laughs) because it's better than mine (laughs) So that theme throughout, that Triwizard theme, is just a fun marching band style music. 
um, to fit the tournament. And you hear it throughout. But the last time we hear that Triwizard theme is when Harry and Cedric, or I should say Harry bringing Cedric's body back, um, using the Triwizard Cup as a portkey. And, and they arrive, and it's supposed to be the celebratory music, and so the brass band starts up, and, and then people realize that Cedric is dead, that Harry's distraught, that Fleur screams, that Mr. Diggory realizes, and he says, my boy, my son, and it just becomes this drastic shift from something that's supposed to be triumphant sound to just absolutely heartbreaking for everybody in the audience. You look at, you know, all the faces of the the crowd, and it just is so sad. Um, So that is... One of my favorite moments nice. in music. That's a good one. So let's see. I've said one of mine. You've said four of yours, right? Okay. So I'm. I've got two more. Okay. So maths. Uh, <laughs> yes, maths, as the Brits would say. So Nicholas Hooper composed Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, and I really like that soundtrack a lot. And um, I felt like I had to pick one from that one, and it was kind of hard for me because there's a few that I really love. But if I'm thinking of the moment where um, it just has the most impact and where the music blends so well with that's what's happening on screen. And I have to go with Dumbledore's Farewell, which is when Dumbledore has died. He's on the ground. And there's that awesome moment when all the witches and wizards and students are holding their wands aloft. beautiful and it's so cool too because uh, not only they're holding their wands up and and they're all lit up but that light it dispels the dark mark up in the sky which is a really cool moment and and so emblematic of the series as a whole about light uh, casting out darkness and replacing darkness and and that these people although they're sad still have hope that uh, they can't be defeated and it's all very powerful and it's one of those moments where it's in the book, they do mention that um, there's wands with lights, but they don't, it's not quite the same as the movie. And it's a moment where the movie can really take just a quick little line in the book where it could just be, it's dark and some of them have their wands lit and turning it into completely a, a beautiful cinematic moment. And my last one, I love Lily's theme and it's my favorite theme in all of Harry Potter. And it's played a few times throughout the very last movie. Deathly Hallows Part 2, and so even just picking one moment of Lily's theme is hard, but I think, and and this goes back to climaxes, the ultimate climax is Harry and Voldemort battling each other, and Lily's theme and a variation of it is playing as they're battling, and then that moment where where Harry grabs both wands and Voldemort starts to die, and the music has crescendoed to this moment, and then it just stops. And it's very soft and subtle. And again, a choral moment, but um, just that single voice singing Lily's theme. And it's just perfect for me. And I love that moment. 
There's so many good moments. It was really hard to pick. Yeah. So please let us know what yours are and why. Yes. We'd love to hear um, because obviously it's really hard to pick any because they're so good. And, and everybody reacts to the movies differently, and that goes for the music, too. Certain moments will stick out to you differently than for us. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this bonus archived episode. We were such babies in 2018, right? Don't forget to follow Hello From Elsewhere on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. And feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It truly helps us widen our audience. And last but not least, thank you so much to our wonderful and amazing patrons. There are multiple perks to becoming a patron of Elsewhere, including a personalized postcard to the first group of patrons. That's a lot of peace. And we've almost hit that benchmark. To find out more, head over to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere. Hello from Elsewhere is a proud member of the WBNE Podcast Network. Visit WBNE.org to discover more positive and family-friendly podcasts, like Following Dreams. Hello, fun people. I'm Isaac Carlson, and on Following Dreams, I'm focused on exploring the stories of people who are following their passions and achieving their dreams. After years of creating Disney videos for my YouTube channel, Watso Videos, I wanted to continue my goal of spreading magic by creating a podcast that strives to help inspire you to pursue what you love by hearing how others have done it. By interviewing creative people who have been able to live their lives as artists, animators, YouTubers, and business owners, together we get to hear the stories of wonderful people while also uncovering what it takes to follow your dreams. And with that, my fellow humans, happy beeps. 